You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. Hello everyone and welcome to Trophy Hordes, this is episode 502 and Yield, do you know the significance of 502? It's two after 500? Well that is pretty significant landmark because 500 episodes is a huge milestone for any podcast or any show, but no sir, 502 is actually the area code for Louisville, Louisville, Uh so yeah, if you're making a call to Louisville, the area code is 502, and I know Tricky's is in the 700s up there in New York State, and you and Homer and all the rest of you Ohioans, I don't mean that in a derogatory manner, but the rest of you Ohioans are in the 900s, I think it's 937, correct? Yes, yes, it used to be uh, 513, but then they changed it several years ago. They decided to ratchet up. It's like, you know when Sony, like, redid the trophy thing and everyone's level went up by an insane amount? Yes. It's it's like y'all did that with your area, area code. Area code, yeah. Go, getting to New York's area code, or at least where Tricky is, is going to be a tall task. But do you think we can get to episode 937 so you can brag about the area code where you all live? You know, it's a possibility. That, that would be infringing on the... The another ten years of podcasting. Well, if if we make it to, to a thousand, you know, we talked about it going to Italy, recording with Jeff Hannon in Italy. But I think if we can encompass all of our area codes and have them represented by an episode number, my God, that's that's quite the accomplishment. I mean, we might as well be in the podcast hall of fame. I yeah, I I would say that. We'll have to look this up for some time, but I I wonder what the Guinness World Record for number of podcasts is. Because, uh, who knows? Maybe we will break that someday. Possibly. You know what? I'm going to look or, it up right now. Or be scared away by, the, you know, the sheer number of someone who's been podcasting since day one and is on episode three million or something like that. But, so, obviously you're hearing my voice. That means that Tricky is not here because usually Tricky leads this show. Tricky has not abandoned us. Tricky is actually taking care of business as he sometimes has to. So it's just me and Yield this week. But as you know, Yield and I always bring the quality, so even without Tricky, we're going to uh, wreck this shit and give you guys a great podcast to listen to on your commute to work, from work, or who knows, if you're lucky enough to listen to podcasts at work. Yield, can you actually listen to podcast? Well, you're, you're, it's probably a safety issue to listen to have headphones in while you're at work. That That's what they tell me. Well, that's what they also tell us, and I work at a grocery store, so, <laughs> but I think it's more maybe a little bit more uh, it would be kind of safety related to your job. Well, it would be kind of hard to be able to listen to what you're doing while you're, you know, you're driving on a tow motor and listening to a podcast. That does kind of take away one of your senses, but. And, it, and in that case, it does not make the other senses stronger. No, no. But I mean, it can be done. I've seen people do it. Well, you also see people driving with headphones on, which I think is fucking nuts. I, that's real dangerous. I think so. I, I I like to hear what's going on around me. Well, yes, when, especially when driving a humongous machine that has the potential to injure other people or damage other things. 
I'm not looking to kick up my uh, my insurance by driving like a jackass. So, uh, PSA, none of y'all be driving with headphones in. Just don't do it. It's not safe. Beald. Some might say that while that's not safe, consuming copious amounts of food can also not be safe. But that's what we do every year around this time when we have Thanksgiving. Yield, did your family have a nice Thanksgiving? Yeah, we did. Uh, got together, ate some food, watched some football. It, it, it was a good time. You? I'm, I'm assuming since it was Thursday, it was NFL football. Yes, yes it was. I mean, I did watch football Saturday, and I did watch football on Sunday. I, I, I was going to say, I didn't know if you wanted to bring up Saturday. No, no, I'm not going to bring up Saturday. It, it You know, it, it was... Michigan! Good for that other team because they made it more relevant, but no, I'm not going to bring it up. But Sunday, on the other hand, my Bengals done whooped them Steelers, and I couldn't be happier. What does that bring the the Bengals record to? Seven and four. Oh, wow. Well, you you know, usually, I guess the... Is it usually the that the Bengals are more snake bit in the playoffs or more snake bit in the uh, the regular season? The playoffs. Yeah, because I mean, it seems like because I mean, mo- like pretty famously, Car- Carson Palmer when he was leading you all to pot- potentially a championship in the first round of the playoffs, I believe, got hurt. Yeah, his leg got hurt. For- first play of the game, got his knee blown out. Um, that's some Bengals kind of luck right there. It is. Um, M- Marvin was zero for seven. I think with Cincinnati in the playoffs. So we'll, we'll have to see. There's still a lot of football yet to be played, but right now they're in it. So. Yeah. And, and, and they beat, they, they swept the Steelers this year. So that, that makes it really nice. That is always nice to, uh, to, to clip those division rivals. So like you yield, I had a nice Thanksgiving with my family. Lots of good food, lots of good conversation. Got to see people, uh, family came up from New Orleans, family came in from Lexington, so it was a nice day overall, just like you consumed quite a bit of food, and if you know how we do on this podcast, we consume a lot of video games, we roll through them here on this show. Yield, sir. Yes, sir. What is your trophy count? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch it up a little bit and start with you. So, I'm a level 462 with a trophy count of 7971 and a platinum count of 141. Sid is level 525 with a total trophy count of 10,732. Platinum count of 188. I am level 452 with a total trophy count of 7,715 and a platinum count of 118 in 117 games. Lastly, Tricky, who I'm sure this week is behind Daryl in total trophies and platinums. Level 664, total trophy count of 15,951, and a platinum count of 346. Good God, that's a lot of terrible platinums. It is a lot of terrible platinums. We, you know what, Yield? It's not our fault. We tried to, you know, we tried to explain we, things to him last week, and he wasn't having it. He's, he's going to continue him. his whoring ways. Well, you know what? He, he can have at it. I, I, I prefer my more... Uh, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? More honorable. Distinguished gameplay. Distinguished. There you go. Distinguished sounds better. Yeah, I, I prefer that. However you want to play games, however you want yep, to earn trophies. however you want to do it, go do it. 
if you want to earn trophies, that's fine. Because you're the one that's got to play the games, and you're the one that's got to live with uh, whatever trophies you've earned. So, go go do whatever you want. We will, however, make fun of Tricky. Absolutely. When, uh, he earns 15-minute platinums and crows about it like he just platinum vanquished. And doesn't not even the same re- thing. And doesn't even remember the game. We'll yield, sir. Yeah. Surely, you've gotten quite a bit of gaming in over the holidays, because I know, I think you had a few extra days off due to, due to Thanksgiving. What have you been up to in the realm of video games? Well, um, some Rocket League. Uh, nest around with some World of Warship Legends. Uh, it was Doubloon Week, so I wanted to get my freebie doubloons. And fired up Batman Arkham Origins Blackgate. Or Origins Blackgate. Um, I got two more playthroughs to go through for the Platinum. So I kind of fired up the second playthrough, kind of started farting around with that. Um, fired up Kingdoms of Almalar Reckoning on my three. That's really the last three game I need to get through to before I start diving in on the five. Um, I yield, I th- I'm assuming you mean Re-Reckoning. I, I assume you're not playing the old, the old original version. You're doing the... No, no I'm playing the old version. Oh really? Yeah, I'm playing on the I'm playing on the three. I I had it picked up, oh, many years ago, and I'm just now finally getting around to it. So wait, hold on, time out. This is the last game you need to play before you get to the PS5. Yes. So, isn't technically there a loophole since it's the same game? I guess remastered. Um, sh- couldn't you just have opened your five and played it on the five? I probably could have, but I already had it bought on the three, so I'm just going to play it on my three. I was going to say you could you could definitely make that argument. But, uh, I uh, could, you know. But uh, and, how far have you gotten into it? Oh, I think maybe I've put in ten hours, but a lot of that is I'm reading everything to try to. Maybe I shouldn't read everything to understand what's going on. Maybe I should just go up and give me your quest and. Off I go, a questing. Um, that that I, seems I, like one of those games that has a lot of lore to it, where there, you have a lot of backstory you need to read. There is. Um, I am. I'm not like follow following a guide. I did look at a guide, and just to kind of be like, okay, you know, how many playthroughs am I possibly looking at for the platinum? You know, what what kind of how how should I attack it? And uh, really, they were like, there are really no missable trophies. Well, there's like four or five missable trophies. And they're like, now, if you play it this, you know, they kind of, if you play this way and focus on this, you can more than likely get all of these five missable trophies by the end of the game. And then all the other trophies, you don't have to do a playthrough. You don't have to do another playthrough to get it. So that's kind of what I'm focusing on is to make sure that I get these five missable trophies on this playthrough, and then that way everything else is just kind of not chapter select, but you can go to, like, a local town and you can pay some money and rearrange your skill points, and then you can get your other trophies that way. So I'm like, okay, that's all I kind of need to know. I just need to focus on these five trophies as I'm playing through the game, and we're good. And I've already gotten, like, two or three of them the other ones are kind of farther down the game kind of like uh like 50 pickpocket 50 uh 
pick locks and stuff like that. That's just one of those cumulative ones. So you just got to make sure you stay focused on doing it. So that's it. Oh, and I also, I fired up, uh, where'd it go? My phone went to sleep. Um, Duke Nukem 3D 20th Anniversary Tour. Why the hell would you do that? Because I love Duke Nukem. Even forever? Even forever. I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was. I'm assuming that um, the humor and and all of that and the infantile nature of Duke Duke Nukem is is kind of what puts it over the top. I'm, I'm assuming it's not the gameplay. No, it, it it it's classic Duke Nukem. You're you're you're. I mean, you're killing aliens and childish humor. All right. Well. We are all about the childish humor here on on Trophy Horse. And Yield, this is probably needless to say, but, you know, you mentioned that there are a few missable trophies in Kingdoms of Amalur. I I honestly, that's one thing I do appreciate about the medieval trophy list, is that you can go back and replay levels, so there's not any missable trophies. And I think that's the way to do it. Like, in this day and age where so much of the way we play games or the way a lot of people play games is tied to the trophy system and achievements. It's just, it's kind of shitty to make people replay a game just because they missed a trophy or just because they didn't, you know, adhere to a guide or stare at a guide before they started playing. Well, I I really think it depends on your type of game. I mean, there, there are some, there are some that I don't mind, you know, like, uh, you know, like the uncharted games. I never mind, I never minded playing through on normal to unlock hard, play through on hard to unlock crushing. I never personally, I did not mind that. But there are some games like uh, Medieval and other ones that that there really isn't a difficulty to them per se. And then when you beat them, it's nice to be able to be like, okay, just I need to go to this chapter and work on this and that chapter to work on that. If you're going for the platinum, you don't have to play through the game again and get it in one run it it to me it doesn't take away from the game we, we've talked about this before that we're depending on how you set your trophies up and how you go about it it could take away your feeling of how good a game is because of the annoyance of how you you or how they attack the trophy list I hope I said that right. Yeah, I'm, I mean, you got your point across. I don't know, I just... It's frustrating to think that, okay, you finish a game, and now, yeah, there's some games where you have to replay them for a, a, a difficulty trophy, like Uncharted, you gotta be crushing to get the platinum trophies. But it's, I don't know, for me it's frustrating. You miss one trophy, and it's like, my god, I potentially have to play through this entire game again. That's 20 or so hours or, you know, 10 hours, I guess, in some cases, where I could, you know, be starting on another game, or, you know, doing my cleanup of other trophies, like collectible trophies. It's just, I don't know, it's just kind of annoyance. Now, I I know I attack games different than a lot of people. On games that are like 10 to 20 hours, I I, I just play them. And, And if I have to go through it again because of something, I'm annoyed, but then I just, that's one of the games that I'm just like, okay, if I, if I feel like I need to start a different game, I'll start a different game, and then I'll kind of just work on this on the side. 
you know, to get where I needed. On a game like this for for uh, Alamar, Alamar, um, I knew that this was going to be like a forty-plus hour game. So I looked to see, you know, am I looking at two playthroughs? If that's the case, then I'll play the game, enjoy it, and then my second playthrough is my is my more focused trophy. I kind of got the guide with me one. Yeah, I looked at it. They're like, nope, one playthrough, focus on these five trophies so you don't have to do a second playthrough. Okay, that's what I'll do. Focus on those, play the game, and enjoy it. So that's how I'm attacking it, so that way I don't have to be like, oh, now i got to slog through the game because I missed these two of these five trophies. So, Well, Yield Like You, I've been playing... Some Rocket League play. We got together and played Rocket League last Thursday. Or no, no, it was Wednesday. It was Wednesday. Cause we, cause we switched from thanks or uh, Thursday because obviously Thanksgiving. So we played on Wednesday night. Had a record after all was said and done of eleven and four, which is quite impressive. Pretty good. So we did very well. I think we rolled off eight in a row at one point, just crushing teams. So you know we're still we're still knee deep or I guess neck deep at this point in the in the new season of Rocket League. And I've also been trying to close out Medieval. My actually my subscription to PlayStation Now it ends I think midway through December, so I got the clock's ticking on this. Granted, I, I should be able to get through Medieval and get the platinum by then, but you know the the as we get to the end of November, which it's, it's crazy to think we're in December. Uh, but the clock the clock is starting to tick, so I got a couple weeks before I gotta I gotta purchase that game if I want the platinum. I, no, I'm, I, I'm at, I, I think have, have you beat the game? I'm on the last level, so I, I can access the last level. It's just what I'm doing is one of the additions from the PlayStation 1 version that they put in the PlayStation 4 version is Lost Souls. So you get to a, one of the, the later levels in the game, and I mean like last four levels, last three levels maybe, and they introduce this new mechanic, which is, or this new type of quest, which is Lost Souls. It's kind of neat in the fact that what you do is you go into a level, and you find this Lost Soul. And what you what it does is it gives you this hint to which le- you have to go back to another level, and it gives you a, a hint to which level you have to go back to, and where in that level you need to go to lay the soul to rest. So you'll essentially go to a certain point in a level that it give, that it hints at, and you'll have to bring up your inventory and you know kind of release the spirit, and then from there on the spirit will have an objective like beat this certain amount of enemies or you know go through this. Uh, gauntlet on a harder difficulty setting, basically some small objective, and once you complete the objective, you set the soul free. And I think there's only two levels in which there aren't souls, so basically, once you get towards the end of the game, they introduce this new thing where um, you have to basically find lost souls and then go to a certain level and set them free by completing an objective. It's cool because it's very, it's it's kind of puzzly because, you know, you've gone through all these levels and you've kind of you know, hopefully by now, learn their layouts and, and learned what makes each level unique. And in Medieval, like, the levels are all very unique, which is very cool, and I appreciate it. So I think that that's why they introduced it later in the game, is because, okay, by now, you have played all these levels, and you know, you can hear a hint, and it gives you a good indication of where you need to go. That said, I always hate when they introduce, like, a weapon or some kind of new thing at the very end of the game. Because it feels like well, one in the case of weapon you don't get to use it that much or a power or whatever it is but also then it's like okay 
I have to then go through back through all these levels and retrace all my steps. So basically, you have to play all the levels twice. Which I mean, the levels are ten to fifteen minutes once you know what you're doing. So or even less. So it's not hard. And it I mean, it is nice to you know use your brain because most of the rest of the game is just combat and just kind of puzzle solving. So it's nice to use your brain. And like I said, I think they did it because you you learn the layout of the levels and then you hear the hint. And it's like oh, okay, I need to go back to this level. So in some ways, I'm kind of annoyed that they introduced it at the end of the game. But I see why they did it. It does make sense. And it is something that adds some variety to the game, which itself, like I said, the levels are all very varied. And I don't know, like I mentioned before, that I, I like the, the theming of it, the very spooky theming to the game. And I don't know why, but whenever I play this game, I kind of think of Nightmare Before Christmas. For some reason, it's uh, maybe it's the, the fact that both Nightmare Before Christmas and Medieval have this little chubby mayor that you meet at some point through the story. But, uh, I mean, comparisons... I mean, the main characters are both kind of skeletons. I mean, there's not a ton of comparisons, but I just play this game, and I'm going through this kind of very Halloweenish land in Galomere, and I just instinct, I just, without even thinking about it, I'm it, like got Nightmare Before Christmas on the mind. So that's probably another reason why I've I've enjoyed it so much. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm towards the end of Medieval. Enjoyed it quite a bit. Glad I got to play it. Thank you, PlayStation. Now, oh, you you were gonna pop in there. Oh, I was just going to ask you how how you've been enjoying the game. Which, no, which, I, which I mean, you I, I'm enjoying. It. Yeah, no, I'm enjoying it. I, I mean, I've had a lot of fun with it. It's it like I said in the like last episode. It's got a lot of charm in how the characters interact with Sir Daniel Fortescue, and it's nice after all these years to have actually a a uh, confirmation of actually how to say his name because I would see his name in like PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale and be like, oh man, that's hope I'm pronouncing this right. But no, it's um. It's been a lot of fun, and getting to play those old gems, like, this is a case where a remaster is fantastic, where it's a game that, you know, a lot of people don't have access to via the PlayStation 1, which is the original platform it released for, so having a PS4 version allows more people to play it, especially putting on PlayStation Now, shows the player uh, the power of PlayStation Now to where, you know, if you've owned all the PlayStation consoles, maybe there's not a ton of value there for you, but it is a place that can, uh, a hub for all these older PlayStation Studios games. So, I mean, there are gems in there that you can find. But, I mean, this I think this is a remaster done right, because the game definitely looks a lot better. And, you know, despite its simplistic gameplay and its very linear nature, it is a nice game to, you know, finally get to play and, and a fun game to revisit. So, and it definitely helps that the, the theming is very, you know, in-season right now, but also just in general, like, skeletons and zombies and stuff. It's It's very cool in general. So, I have enjoyed my trip through medieval and alongside sir daniel fortescue well that's awesome i this was another game that i got too late and it was one of those that when i went back and played you know the ratchet and clank collection off of you and donnie's uh uh recommendation and i enjoyed it i was like man how many of these other games did i miss so i you know i've since then i played medieval really enjoyed it i've played spyro i've enjoyed it so i was like wow i missed out on these games so that i'm i'm glad i got the opportunity to play them again or play them for the first time sorry yeah and if you just kind of jumped on to i don't want to say the playstation bandwagon but if you just had a more recent console in the the playstation studios ecosystem you may have missed a lot of the the earlier playstation days and a lot of us tend to forget that you know 
it has been a long time since Sony has been around since they introduced their first console, and there's a lot of games. You know, there's more than Uncharted and Horizon and God of War and The Last of Us. So I think we tend to forget that. So, you know, especially when it goes back, comes to, you know, playing the PS1 games. So getting to revisit the PS1 games, which, uh, you know, a big issue in, in video games these days is protecting and preserving like the art for the art form of video games and making sure that old classics are not lost to time. This is, like I said, a nice way, a nice remaster to put out there because it's, I mean, it's a, it's a PlayStation owned IP medieval and not everyone got the chance to play it. So I know we've complained about remasters in the past. Yes, they do remaster, you know, newer games more quickly than they should, but there are like with Alan Wake remastered, and then also with Medieval, there are cases where you can make a really, really good argument for, hey, remasters are really, actually really, really good. Because I would much rather play Medieval on a PS4 with updated graphics than, you know, play the PlayStation 1 version, which is not going to look nearly... I mean, the PlayStation 1 games have not aged very well. Yield, you there? Yes. Okay. Sorry, I was reading something. Reading something, one of our topics? Uh, well, no. I was reading something that was uh, tagged on Facebook. Ah. Going down the Facebook rabbit hole. Yes. Well, it's safe to say that a lot of us have gone down the Marvel rabbit hole with how many ways there are to consume Marvel properties these days. This story comes from Eurogamer.net. Eurogamer.net. It's written by Wesley Yinpool. It uh, the title is DC Universe Online Dev Making a Marvel MMO. Quote: Developer of DC Universe Online is making a Marvel MMO. Dimensional Inc. Studios, the latest name for the Austin, Texas branch of Daybreak Game Company, is working on a Marvel IP-based ma- massively multiplayer online game, according to an investor presentation. Development of this so far unannounced MMO is led by Jack Emmert, who co-founded Cryptic Studios, designed and helmed City of Heroes, and currently leads the 10-year-old DC Universe Online, which, uh, end quote, you know, me interjecting here, it is crazy. I had thought that DC Universe was on, uh, DC Universe had been closed years ago, but uh, yeah, apparently still still going strong. Still going strong. Back to the article, quote, that's all we know for now, but it's worth noting the Daybreak Game Company had reportedly worked on a Marvel MMO RPG a few years ago, but it was canceled. It was apparently canceled, sparking a round of layoffs in 2018. It's also worth noting the Cryptic Studios worked on a Marvel Universe Online in 2006. Boy, that sounds really weird to say. Before Microsoft canceled it in 2008, Marvel Universe Online was later reborn as Cryptic's Champions Online. Gazillion Entertainment's Marvel Heroes launched in 2013, but shut down late 2017. Don't hold your breath for this new Marvel MMO, though. The investor presentation listed under the long-term projects. This could be a 2023 game at the earliest. Uh, and then also they make a note at the end of the story that DC Universe Online similarly gets a graphics upgrade and a large expansion content to date for 2023. A game that is 10 years old is going to, in its 12th year of service, going to get the largest content expansion to date. That's, that's nuts. So... You'll, neither one of us, I believe, are into MMOs. And I understand that, you know, DC Comics and Marvel Comics have, like, whenever it comes to, you know, an audience, they have a lot of mainstream appeal. Like, you basically, 
a, I mean, you, you can't walk five feet probably without meeting somebody who's a Marvel fan, or at least it seems that way to me. You'd be, you'd be right. But, so I understand why they pick these kind of things, because, I mean, there's a lot of appeal there, and, you know, for anyone who doesn't play MMOs, you know, rather than have an MMO set in some, you know, brand new world that's, you know, a new IP that's created by the studio, having a licensed property like Marvel is more likely to bring people into the fold. For me personally, I am a Marvel fan. I'm a huge fan of the MCU. I'm I'm more a fan of the team-based aspects of it, so like the Avengers, X-Men, stuff like that. I like the teams of, of um, superheroes, because everyone brings their own expertise and their own powers to the table, which you know makes the unit very, very strong. So, the more single-focused hero, like, I, I'm not a, I don't really go see Spider-Man movies. I'm not I mean, I watch Batman, I don't really care for Superman, so usually when it comes to single superhero movies, I'm not a fan. But when you throw out Fantastic Four or X-Men or something like that, I'm game, because I love the teams. Yield, are you uh, a big fan of Marvel, or you um, have any interest in the Marvel superheroes? I do. I, I, uh, I've got my favorites. Um, I, li- I don't dislike... The individual movies uh, based on a superhero, if done right, or if you just happen to find my or you happen to do the character that I enjoy. Um, but the the team ones are always seem to be the better ones. Um, as for an MMO, the only one I dabble in is World of Warships. So um, I'm not counting it out, but I just have would have to see some gameplay on it. I know DCUO never intrigued me you know tricky was the one who really oohed and awed over it so i mean i'm you know willing to listen to some more or watch some trailers as they get closer to being out to see how it rolls but i you know online games like when it comes to multiplayer aren't like they i, I just don't really enjoy online multiplayer now the one game that I have been able to find that I really enjoy playing online multiplayer is Rocket League. So, uh, but other than that, like MMOs, I've never really tried an MMO. I mean, it's kind of hard for me to say that I don't like MMOs, but at the same time, I generally don't like playing online with strangers. So, it's kind of hard for me to get into an MMO, even when there's something like Marvel at stake. Now, you know, I mentioned the team-based aspect of, of things and how Marvel has done that really well. I think one of the special things about MCU is that even with, like, the Black Panther movie, it all fit into the same universe, so they were telling this overarching story, and each superhero kind of fit into that. So even if it was, you know, like, the Black Panther movie, you still had how it fit, you know, into the other uh, narrative arc with all the other characters, and you even had, you know, a lot of the other characters within that movie. So I kind of think that's what made the MCU so so special, is how it all fit together seemingly perfectly, and how, like, all these storylines were intertwined. But, I mean, a multiplayer X-Men game, like, I loved X-Men Legends 2. That was a fantastic game. But as far as, like, an MMO MMO goes, it's going to take me a lot. Because, I mean, Rocket League is far more enjoyable when it comes to playing with the Brothers of Destruction, which, of course, is our group we play every Thursday on Twitch. Playing with with randoms, with strangers, not as fun. One, because we don't communicate via headset or via microphone, like, we do in the Brothers of Destruction, but 
playing with strangers just isn't as fun for me, so I don't know. I think it's a wise move to make a Marvel MMO, but for me personally, I just I see online multiplayer and I'm kind of like, nope, nope, I just put up that wall right away. And I mean, maybe I shouldn't, but it I mean, maybe it just takes one MMO. I mean, everyone has that one MMO they can attach to, regardless of how they feel about online multiplayer. But I'm always wary of jumping into online multiplayer because just playing it with other people is such a mixed bag that you never know what you're going to get. And that kind of can sour the experience, you know? Yes, yes, it can. Because, I mean, even as much as as we liked Warhawk, there, there were times that you can even admit that playing with people was just snap your controller frustrating. And, you know, honestly, if you're not communicating with people with, like, a headset, you could be playing online. It's just not as fun. I mean, you're still – it's like you're playing alone. Like, you're you're just playing with nobody. I mean, yes, you are playing with people, but if you can't communicate with those people, which, let's be honest, when it's the internet, you may not want to communicate with those people anyway. I don't know. It just, it just still feels very lonely playing a game where you're in a multiplayer scenario, but you can't talk to anybody. Yeah. It's it's weird. I mean, there are definitely some games that... I mean, obviously, Warhawk was a, a multiplayer only, or online-only game, so you could only play multiplayer. There was no story mode. Uh, and I did find, you know, fun within that. I just... It's got to take special games for me to play online, online multiplayer because it's just... It's a minefield out there, and you, you gotta you got to be careful. Yes, so, yes, you do. As you can probably tell... I am more for the single-player experiences where I can just kind of hole up and enjoy the story for myself and, and not have to worry about pacing with anybody else. This next story is about uh, our friends at Housemark, one of the newest studios added to the PlayStation Studios family. It is written by Adam Bankhurst from IGN.com. The title reads, Returnal DLC possibly being teased by developer Housemark. Quote, An image shared from Returnal's developer... Housemark on Twitter has fans speculating the DLC announcement may be on the way. Housemark tweeted this mysterious image on the morning of November 26th alongside the text Atropos Returnal, or hashtag Returnal. For those unaware, Atropos is the planet where Returnal takes place. This caught the attention of many across the internet as it doesn't appear to be anything found in the base game of Returnal. Additionally, since Atropos has a question mark after it, it's possible this could be a whole new world for Selene in quotations another, or in parentheses, or another character, has to explore. It also could be that a catastrophic, catastrophic event has done something drastic to Atropos to cause Selene to question where she is. Following the tweet, Housemark senior narrative designer Evie Carhonen quote tweeted the mysterious post saying, We filmed something, very, something really amazing today. We hope to get to share more with you soon. So, Uh, the story goes on with uh, with separate updates, uh, non-DLC related. Um, while Housemark has yet to release any DLC for Returnal, it has said it is wor- was working on new content and update and fixes. Recently, it received its 2.0 update that added not only a long-awaited save system, but also photo mode. So yeah, um, that is going to be the uh, end of the quotes. But yeah, Returnal's a game that I have long wanted to play. I, I guess 
I've been ever since getting the PlayStation Five, I have been stuck in this just um, jet stream of games where I finish a game and then a new game comes out and I want to play that, and then I finish a game and a new game comes out and I want to play that. So haven't been able to get to Returnal quite yet. I like I said, I, I'm it's probably going to be the holiday game I'm going to buy for myself. So once I finish Medieval probably going to dive into Returnal because my PlayStation now subscription will lapse so I'll have to find myself something new to play and Returnal seems like it, it seems time it seems like the right time to play Returnal uh, if you've if you don't know who Housemark is they may have made a lot of good games um, Resogun Super Stardust HD Alien Nation Outland Dead Nation uh, lots of good stuff in there uh, a lot of that stuff is really arcadey, which of course with Returnal they're moving away from. But Solid Developer was really happy when Housemark was purchased by Sony, so that we could keep all the games to ourselves. I, I mean, I, I sound like a greedy dick, but I, I think it was a smart move for for Sony because they've always had always had a good relationship with Housemark, and Housemark fa- makes fantastic games. So I definitely want to re- play Returnal, and it's nice to see that you know Returnal was a new IP and a big risk for Housemark. Because they had previously done, you know, mostly smaller games. But it's nice to see that they're still developing content for it. And we might be getting DLC, which, you know, hopefully means that Returnal has done really well for them in sales. Uh, critically, I think I think it did pretty well. But you, you want to have that reassurance that sales-wise, it did really good. So that, you know, if there's ever a sequel that Housemark wants to do, Sony doesn't have any problem greenlighting it. So I'm, I hope there's more content coming out for Returnal, and I'm excited to play it. Yield, it's one of the true PlayStation 5 exclusives. What is kind of your outlook on Returnal? You know, it was it wasn't a game that 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 gripped me. So I'm 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 glad it's getting DLC for those who like it, but I mean, it, it just it, I don't know it it just wasn't my game or didn't feel like my game. So it's not something that I'm rushing towards. Potentially. Might live stream some of it. You could always watch on Twitch and see if um, maybe maybe it's actually your uh, your cup of tea. That, a little, that, going a little uh, across the Atlantic there, get a little British on you, a little cup of tea. That is a possibility. No, but hey, I I want to see how Smart do really well. It's, it's disappointing that you know they felt that they had to move away from the previous style of games they were making because they just they they didn't feel like there was enough support for them. So. I want to see Returnal do really well, and hopefully this means that, that the fact that they've continued to work on Returnal means that Returnal has, in fact, been a success for them and a success for Sony, because, I mean, you never want to see a game do poorly. No. So, I mean, just hope that uh, Returnal has done really well when it comes to sales, because I know, critically, it was, it was a pretty big success for Sony for Housemark. so uh, definitely I will always champion Housemark. Because, uh, like I said, I've I've always enjoyed the uh, the stuff that they've made, and you know it's it's always good when a studio can has the freedom to make the games they want instead of you know feeling like they they have to do a sequel or they have to play it safe. You know this kind of stuff when a game is successful, especially the big AAA games, that leads to you know more freedom and more creativity for the developers. So I think that Housemark having their freedom to create whatever they want is a good thing for anyone who owns a PlayStation. And I agree. If you have been playing on the PlayStation for a long, long time, back to PlayStation 1, you may be familiar with a game called Chrono Cross. 
I think that you are familiar with Chrono Cross Shield. I am c familiar with Chrono Trigger, which is the first game. So you, but you obviously are aware that Chrono Cross exists. Yes, I am aware that this is kind of a sequel-ish to Chrono Trigger. Yes, Rebecca Valentine has this story for us from IGN.com. The headline reads, A Chrono Cross remaster is reportedly on the way. Quote, Remember that big remake PlayStation was reportedly going to announce around this coming Christmas? Good news, RPG, JRPG fans. It might be beloved Square Enix classic Chrono Cross. According to Xbox era's Nick Baker on a recent podcast, the reported big remake mentioned by folk singer Ihaba McMahon on an Irish radio station back in October is indeed a remaster of the sequel slash spinoff to Chrono Trigger from the original PlayStation era. And what's more, Baker sources tell him that it will be a multi-platform as opposed to PlayStation exclusive. Notably, a Chrono Cross remaster was also among the numerous titles listed in NVIDIA's GeForce Now Game League back in September. Though that list has thus far been hit or miss as act to accuracy, NVIDIA, NVIDIA, NVIDIA has claimed that the titles were speculative. Some of the games in that league have turned out to be real, like the GTA Trilogy Remastered. Chrono Cross itself is a beloved classic that IGN adored when it first released way back in 2000. Though it's gotten mixed reception due to the strange space it occupies as a sort of alternative universe spinoff of Chrono Trigger rather than a direct sequel. Unlike its predecessor, though, Chrono Cross hasn't received any love via ports or new content on other platforms, meaning the only legitimate way to play it anymore is to own an original PlayStation or PlayStation 2 and have a physical copy of the game uh, in parentheses update or through PS1 Classics if you still have a PS3, PSP, or Vita. So, getting a Chrono Cross... Well, all signs point to a Chrono Cross remaster. And I... This is a game that I watched my stepbrother play on the original PlayStation, and I know that it doesn't have as many fans as Chrono Trigger does. My first thought when I read this is like, well, why not just, you know, do an up another remake or a remaster of Chrono Trigger since it's the most uh, popular one? Absolutely. I That would be a day one purchase for me. But I think Rebecca makes a good point. We talked about the preservation of games as an art form and making sure games aren't lost to time. The fact that there aren't many ways to play Chrono Cross. I think that you kind of have to champion this decision to make a Chrono Cross remaster because, you know... Allowing people to go back and play it, I mean, that's that's priceless. Um, like, making sure that we can still play games and get updated versions of old games. Like, again, remasters done really well. Re uh, you know, the right place for remasters to be. So, I, I think that this is, I mean, while Chrono Trigger might be the more popular one, and, you know, overall the better game, I think that allowing people to go back and play Chrono Cross, and maybe reevaluate how they feel about it, because I'm sure it's been many, many years, decades even since people played Chrono Cross. I, I mean, I think that's important. So, I mean, may, maybe your mind first, you see Chrono Cross and you may think, oh, well, why not Chrono Trigger? But it's, you know, re-experiencing and maybe reevaluating your your stance on Chrono Trigger. I, I don't know, like, maybe that's more important than having yet another way to play Chrono Trigger. Well, uh, the developer always said when people were clamoring about a true sequel to Chrono Trigger, his answer always was, "Well, you should have bought, you should have, you should have bought more Chrono Cross." So maybe with the remake, if it sells really well, 
maybe we'll finally get our actual sequel to Chrono Trigger. Or maybe we'll get a remake of Chrono Trigger. I mean, crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened. I don't think anyone expected a Psychonauts 2 after the launch of Psychonauts on the Xbox and PlayStation way back in the day. Excuse me, Xbox and PlayStation 2. So, I mean, yeah. anything is possible. Yeah, here we are, and Psychonauts 2 is up for Game of the Year for the uh, the Game Awards for 2021. So, crazier things have happened. Uh, but, I mean, you know, Chrono Cross... I know Chrono Trigger especially was one of those games that was really hard to get a hold of, at least for a decent price, because people would usually jack up the price online via eBay or whatever. But allowing these games to recirculate and make them more affordable on newer platforms like that's that's always good i'm never gonna complain about that so yeah the moral apparently of today's podcast is you know remasters have their place just use that power wisely because you can definitely abuse it you know and, and come across like you're just trying to make a cheap buck but yeah chrono cross remaster i think would definitely be welcome and and you know hopefully give people a chance who never played it a chance to play it and, you know, other people who want to go back and, re- and you know, experience it again, uh, the chance to do that. So, I'm not hating on this. I probably won't play it because turn-based RPGs aren't my thing. Not a, not a huge fan of JRPGs. But I definitely want to see how the community reacts to it because I definitely think they could be a positive thing. Oh, I, I agree. I, you know, I don't even... It, it was years later that I realized that they made a Chrono Cross. So, um... I'll watch some of the trailers on it. I mean, I, I doubt that I rush out and get it, but who knows? I mean, like I said, Chrono Trigger was really the last JRPG that I really played, so. Which which I've been told by several people, well, at least you at least you went out with one of the one of the top five. Yeah, and I'm definitely more um favorable to, say, Chrono Cross Remastered than I am to the next story on our list, written by Matt Kim of IGN.com, the headline reads, Epic Games Acquires Rock Band Developer Harmonix, which, Yield, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this, but I'm definitely going to say that reading this headline, I'm very lukewarm on this decision because the... That's, uh, that, that's how I feel when I read this, the, uh, the title. Who knows? This, this could be a good thing, but it also could be a bad thing. We'll, we'll see. Bad, yeah. But, uh, quote, Epic Games has announced that it has acquired rhythm game maker Harmonix best known for titles like Rock Band and Dance Central. In a press release, Epic announced that as it continues to build, uh, continues work on building the metaverse, which is, uh, this is this is me interjecting here, that is a word we're hearing more and more of these days, almost to an annoying degree. Going back to the, to the quote, it has enlisted Harmonix to reimagine how music is experienced, created, and distributed. Harmonix will help develop music journeys and gameplay for Fortnite while still working on Rock Band 4. Harmonix offered more insight into its future in its community blog. The studio announced that it will continue to its existing DLC plans and plans to release more tracks next year. Rock Band rival Seasons will also continue with plans for both Season 25 and 26. The studio reiterated that it will be ne- will next be working with Epic on creating musical journeys and gameplay for Fortnite. Sadly, Harmonix also says it does not plan re- to resume production on more Rock Band instruments, so expect them to still be rare commodities on the second-hand market. Harmonix is the latest in a string of acquisitions for Epic Games. Alongside tech-focused ventures, Epic acquired Rocket League Studio Psionics and Fall Guys developer Mediatonic. And, uh, and yeah, 
So, as you know, as I said, it seems I am kind of lukewarm on this yield as well. So, Rocket League, I think, has done really well as part of Epic, and especially with its free-to-play structure. Uh, the one thing that concerns me, because I, I do feel like Epic will probably leave Harmonix alone and let Harmonix just do their thing. I mean, there's like there's going to be collaboration, and Fortnite was mentioned specifically. But I think, in the, for the most part, Epic will leave Harmonix alone, because it seems like Psyonix has been allowed to do their own thing when it comes to their game. And Rocket League is still a ton of fun to play. The only thing that I'm concerned about, and I don't play Rock Band, so it's not actually a concern that I, I have for myself, but more for you and Tricky and whoever else plays the game, is that typically when it comes to games like, I mean, Fortnite, very much nickel and diming people with cosmetics and, and stuff for Fortnite, uh, for characters, you know, all these different skins they release and battle passes, and, you know, you, you've got... Rocket League, and we've complained all the time that Rocket, like a lot of the stuff within Rocket League, yes, it's free to play, but a lot of the the premium items in there are just way too expensive. Right, Goal right, scores are a little too high. Twenty two bucks, like what is that? Bucks. Twenty Black, to twenty two bucks, yeah, yeah. Black market items twenty dollars and above, and you know it's when it comes. And I, granted, it's not just Epic, or you know, they're not the only free to pay like uh, owner of free to play games that is you know where we see. Basically, they're gouging people with these prices. You know, we've heard people complain about Apex Legends and its pricing for premium items. You've heard, I've seen $40 skins in Pokemon Unite. So it's not just Epic, but it does concern me that, you know, with the premium items set, like, set the way they are and how much you can pay for skins in Fortnite and how much certain items cost in Rocket League, that what does this do to the pricing of Rock Band tracks? I mean, the DLC in the future, are they going to change the price of this? You know, in, in the future, do we see a free-to-play rock band where they kick out the price of songs? Because, let's be honest, songs are not cheap to license. I don't think you'll see it with 4, but if they come up with another iteration of it, or Rock Band 5, then I wouldn't... That would not surprise me. Because right now, I think the prices... The prices haven't really changed since... Oh, when it When they started doing... DLC for the three. I mean, songs are still two bucks a song. You know, your packs are depending on how many songs are in a pack. So I don't ever really feel that the, the song prices have been, you know, wrong. No, I, I think that I but, mean, $2 is fair because, I mean, again, licensing fees are expensive. And quite frankly, if I really like a song and I'm going to buy it for a music rhythm game, like, I'm going to play it over and over. I'm not going to just play it once. So I think eventually in the end, I mean, you'll easily get your $2 worth Get your 2 bucks. Yeah, exactly. So I I don't think they'll mess with four, but another one, you know, you might very well see something like that where it's free to play and, you know, it now costs five bucks for a song. Well, and, and kind of there's a trend going on here with, with Epic in that, you know, they own Fortnite which obviously relies, you know, relies heavily on battle passes and seasons, and then they acquired Psyonix. Rocket League, which are free-to-play, you know, heavily, they make, you know, they want people to heavily invest in seasons and battle passes. Mediatonic with Fall Guys, which has its own form of seasons. So, and, and, you know, Rock Band now, which essentially is a platform for them to release music that you, you know, get via downloadable content. 
So it seems like they are buying a bunch of IPs that can stand as platforms, which they just add content to. It's not just like, hey, we, we're going to have a bunch of one-off games. A lot of their recent strategy seems to be, we're going to buy these games of service, and we're going to own a lot of them. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but also, when you look at the pricing structure that Epic has, and just in general, the way that free-to-play content is handled, yes, I understand that, I mean, financially, they need to make money, and, you know, if they're giving you the game for free, you know, they need to make profits, so they they want to sell, they want to hit those microtransactions, but you don't got to gouge people, and I think we've seen a lot of that, and Epic is guilty of that in many ways, so I just... My only concern with this is it's not going to be that I think that Harmonix games are going to take a dip in quality. They're they're going to, you know, Epic is going to take over Rock Band and fuck it up. I, th- I think more my concern is the pricing structure that we're going to see and how this affects the way that they sell music to people via DLC. Yes, uh, I. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> so up in the air. It could be good, could be bad. Could it be bad? We'll have to see. I mean, again, I like Rocket League is still high quality, so it seems like Epic Games, you know, is a hub for Rocket League, but they're not going to mess with the formula too much, which I appreciate as a Rocket League, Rocket League player. But, you know, so the quality will still likely be there. It's just a question of what are you going to end up paying for the content that you want? And Yield, we know that Sony likes proprietary things and likes making us pay for pri- prior... Uh, pro- I just said the word proprietary. They they like to like us to buy their own shit. Uh, I yes. can't get the fucking word out. Yes. So we'll just go with like, that. Like, their own like, like, shit. Like, like back in the day, Nintendo, the official Nintendo seal. Yes, the Nintendo seal of quality. The Nintendo seal of quality. You 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 didn't trust back back in the day. You didn't trust the off brands. You wanted to buy it buy it that had that Nintendo seal on it. Oh, that's a good one. Well, Sony wants you to buy their solid-state hard drives to put in your PlayStation 5, and they also potentially want you to uh, maybe in the future buy faceplates for the PS5. This story comes to us from IGN.com, a.k.a. Tricky's favorite website, as he seems to be a a mule for them and, and getting their stories out there. Written by Jared Moore, the headline reads, Sony has patented the PS5's faceplates after threatening others for making them. Kind of a dick move there, Sony. What what do we say about competition, Sony? Competition is good. Quality comes out of competition. Fosters innovation. Don't be dicks. Quote, Sony has finally patented the PlayStation 5 faceplates after threatening a number of other companies with legal action over making them, sparking speculation that it may begin selling its own variant editions. A patent filed by the publisher, spotted by OP Attack, can be found on the U.S. State's Patent and Trademark Office website, which recognizes the patent was officially recognized on November 16th. While it released several official controller colorways for PS5, Sony has yet to offer different colors for uh, the PS5 itself. The patent has caused speculation that Sony may now be planning to sell individual face, uh, faceplate replacements, perhaps to match the Midnight Black and Cosmic Red. <sighs> Breathe. DualSense controllers. As Sony hasn't officially commented on its reasons for filing the patent, it isn't cl- yet clear whether the company has done so for the purpose of producing its own varying faceplates, granting licenses to third-party manufacturers to do the same, or to avoid future legal encounters with companies acting to create their own faceplates without consent from the publisher. 
On at least two different occasions since the launch of the PlayStation 5, Sony has threatened companies with legal action over the plans to sell unofficial face plates to consumers. Last year, the company, custom, the company Customized My Plates announced that it was canceling all pre-sales of its custom-ready PS5 face plates following legal pressure from Sony. In a statement to IGN, the company explained that its decision had come following discussions with Sony's legal team, where it became apparent that trademarks over the console's removable side plates were too complex an issue for the company to navigate without risking legal infringement. In a separate dispute, Sony sent out a cease and desist letter to Canadian peripherals company Dbrand following its plans to release custom faceplates for the console. Dbrand announced that it was pulling its custom faceplates from sale before stating in a separate statement on the company's subreddit that it would be creating its own range of new PS5 faceplates that were far enough detached from Sony's original design to risk further infringement. Yield. Yes. Sir. So, I don't think it's any shock that Sony put this patent through. Now, granted, when a patent comes through, it doesn't mean anything's going to come of it, but I think that Sony being able to make money off attachable faceplates, it makes sense, because if you can make money off, you know, make money off of games, make money off of controllers, why not faceplates too? Any way you can monetize the PS5, I think, is a good business strategy. What I don't think is a good business strategy is being a dick to other companies that are trying to make faceplates for your console, because that's just a bad look. I mean, yeah. maybe Sony can corner the market on this, but people like to have options. So preventing all these other companies from doing this kind of looks like it didn't move. Now, granted, maybe Sony's like, okay, maybe they did that because they're like, well, we don't have our own faceplates ready. So once we get our faceplates ready and put them on the market, then other people can start making them. Because I guess Sony doesn't want people to have an installed base already where a bunch of people have already bought custom faceplates and can't buy them from Sony. So maybe Sony's like, okay, well, once we get ours out to the wild, then other people can start releasing them too. Maybe it's just kind of a, they want to get to the market first with this, but still it kind of, it kind of a dick move. No, it, it, it's a dick move. Um, first off, I didn't know that you could put new faceplates on your system. So that was kind of interesting. Um, secondly, yeah. I mean, if you, if you want to get into the market and, and I'm just speculating here and you're afraid that everybody else will have an install bet or have an, and, Install base of their buying from them. Um, you know, uh, shame on you, Sony, for not thinking far enough ahead that people were going to jump on this. I mean, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm not opposed to them doing it, but at the same time, you're telling everybody else who is already providing a service for your customers, hey, cease and desist. You know, why people want to customize it. That's kind of the new thing with gaming. It came out, you know, late with the four when Sony started selling specific consoles, you know, themed consoles, but people were already kind of tricking out their their, their consoles. So it's just, like you said, it's, it's just a dick move, you know, let these little companies have, have their little piece of the pie you know, and, and if you want to do one, then do something, re you know, do your own, Sony, but do something really cool that, like, the other people haven't done or can't do, you know. Make make your, make some of your properties maybe exclusive. Hey, look, we did this Sly Cooper, you know, stuff like that, you know. Maybe you can, 
you know, exclusify that to you, Sony, but let every let all the other little companies do what people want with their systems, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Sly Cooper, I, I love that sly fucking raccoon. That suave motherfucker. He's one of my favorites. Need need to get him back on, on the yes. on the PS5. You wanna skip a generation, Sony. You wanna make put a game out for the three, skip the four, and then put it on the five. I'm fine with that. Just don't let Sly Cooper and his gang, Murray and Bentley, go uh go dark like Jack and Daxter. Because Jack and Daxter, I don't know why you haven't made a new game, but they're they're missing in action, so Need need more Jack and Daxter, and more importantly, we need more Sly Cooper. Yeah, I mean, Sony obviously has some leeway because they, I mean, look, there are people out there that are kind of pissed at Sony, but at the end of the day, PlayStation 5 is selling really well, and there's high demand for it, so regardless of, of people being pissed off at Sony, I... I think they can make a decision like this and, you know, prevent other people from selling place faceplates. And as long as they're still releasing Dynamite games, people will kind of let them get away with it. I mean, we, we may call them out and say that's shitty, but I'm not going to stop playing PlayStation 5 because of it, Yield. And I, I don't assume that you're going to no. be shipping your PlayStation 5 back either. No, I mean, you're right. But it, it, it still doesn't mean that as loyal PlayStation uh, uh, consumers like we are, that we can't sit there and, and point out, you know, a dick move when, when we feel like they're doing one. And this that's what this feels like. No, I agree. I agree. And uh, before we, we wrap up this episode, because that's going to be the end of our topics there, we have a couple questions from your brother, Yield. Homer gets stuffed. Awesome. And one of them I'm actually going to save for a later date. Uh, Homer just passed, uh, posted it within the last couple of hours. Haven't got a ton of responses, so I would like to save it until maybe we get closer to the actual holiday, uh, the Christmas holiday. But if you don't have access to Facebook, here's the question: uh, get with a uh, get with us on Twitter or um, the email trophyhorseimprovementgamer.com. That's the email you can send an, uh, an answer to if you want to. But Homer's question is: Hey, it's basically Christmas. What was your favorite Christmas game or console gift you ever got? I remember back in '87 or was it '88? was the year that I.L. Page and I got our NES for Christmas, and it was glorious. Do you do you remember playing the, the NES on Christmas morning yield back in 88-87? I, I do. Um, so, um, you know, you didn't read instructions. You just popped the game in and started pushing buttons. Dad, what do I do? You know. But I, I remember playing uh, golf for the NES, and I launched the ball, you know, a good drive. And my dad looked at me and goes, what'd you do? I'm like, I don't know. It just hit buttons. So the, the story goes that they, that mom and dad had had this system months before Christmas. And so when we would go to bed, my dad and my uncle would dig it out, hook it up. And they had been playing it like almost every other weekend, every weekend for like two months leading up until Christmas. And they couldn't figure out how to drive the ball in that golf game. And I just sit down and I'd launched it, you know, good first drive. And I'm like, I don't know. I just hit buttons. So yeah, I had, that was fun. I got a hand-me-down NES from my brother. And so it came with a lot of really good games. Dragon Spirit, Castlevania, Mega Man 3. Which Castlevania? 
The original one, the first one. The original one, oh, that's which Castlevania Three: Dracula's Curse is also fantastic. I mean, even oh, better than the first. I, one. I think, I think that's my favorite. If that's the one, I always, I always forget. I think that's the one with the clock tower, where you got to go up the clock tower, fight the boss, and then come back down yeah. the clock tower. I love yeah. that. Well, one. I think the 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 first game also the second level was a clock tower as well. Okay. So I, I think most Castlevania games have a clock tower. Yeah, probably. But the third one does have a very memorable one. And but I, I remember that a couple of the games I inherited were tennis and golf, so I'm very familiar with the golf game that uh, that you and uh, and Homer played as, as youngins. Yes. So I'm gonna have to save my. I'm gonna have to think about that one. So I, I want to come up with a good answer. Um, but yeah, I uh, once it gets a little closer to uh, to Christmas, I'll I'll give you an answer on that one. So I've had more time to think, and hopefully Bye. in the coming weeks we'll also have some other answers from the community. And uh, who want to share their past experiences during the holidays, whether it be, you know, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, just any cool video game related gift that you got that is particularly memorable. My, my, my other one would be when I got Siphon Filter 2 and 3 for Christmas. We all know it you was, love Siphon Filter. I love Siphon Filter. So when I got 2 and 3 for Christmas, I was like, oh boy, it's on now. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it'd be a really nice Christmas present yield if you could get another siphon filter here. Oh, under that the tree. would be amazing. Even if you know what, I would even settle for a remaster at this point. How about a remake built from the ground up? I perfect. Start, start. You know, reboot it, ground up. Let's start this story again. Yeah, uh, and so all this discussion of the NES made me think. I had an NES too. Like I said, it was a hand-me-down for my brother. If you are a retro gamer, and for some reason you don't have an NES or you never had one, and or maybe you had one, you, you lost it or it broke or something, and you want to get another one. If you're in the market for an NES, and you don't want the NES Classic from Nintendo, don't get the original lateral-loading NES. If you can find the late-stage, late-in-the-game NES top-loader, it's much better. It's more reliable because the way the pins sit. Because you remember yield when you would put a place uh, an NES game in, yeah, it would always load. It's because the pins get all jacked up with the way they're oriented in the original NES. So they change the, to a top loader, and the games are supposed to be more reliable, which is probably why the Super Nintendo went to top loading. With top loading, so I mean they're they're rare and they're expensive, but if you want an NES, get a top loading one because they're much better quality and they will last longer. Yield Homer didn't leave it at that because your brother's been on fire today with the questions. This one drumming up uh, quite a bit more support or at least uh, interest. And surprise, it's Star Wars related. So we talked about MMOs. Hey, Star Wars is a popular, you know, w- uh, universe of playing in MMOs. Homer asks, what has been the best Star Wars related game you've played? For me, some of the older ones have been classics. I remember playing a bunch of the Super Star Wars series on the SNES. Later, the Rogue Squadron games from the Nintendo 64 the GameCube were also some pretty phenomenal games as well. First comment comes from Rick. For me, there's no question it has to be KOTOR. Nothing else comes close. Levi says, KOTOR has no equal. Ashley says, I really enjoyed Star Wars The Old Republic and played that from launch, but it is an MMO. KOTOR is my second. So, all three of the first people mentioned KOTOR, which of course is getting a remaster coming up, which is will be, if you've only owned PlayStation consoles, your first chance to play KOTOR when it comes out, I'm assuming. I can't remember when it's coming out, but when it does it's, come out... I mean, it's next year, so... Okay. Yeah. Well, no. 
No, I don't think they did. Did they announce a release date? I I can't remember. There's always I so can't many remember games either. Out. Curtis says Lego Star Wars games. Those were pretty fun yield, and of course we all know yes. that you're very very into the Star Wars games. Oh, absolutely. I, I I've got the 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 Skywalker saga pre ordered. Curtis also adds in a sub comment: Battlefront Two for PS4 for the story and so so for the multiplayer, and interested in Jedi Fallen Order. Charlie says Star Wars Galaxies. Uh, Ashley comments, also amazing, and then Charlie answers, still played to this day via emu servers. I added to the discussion with Battlefront 2 on the PS2, because fantastic games where you could play not only as, like, the clone troopers, but also as stormtroopers, uh, Jedis, and Siths, so it's it fun to run around as Darth Maul and Mace Windu and all these different characters on all the maps they had, like Dagobah and Naboo and Coruscant, so it's a ton of fun. And you could play, I believe, at, like, the Jedi Council in Coruscant, so that was just a ton of fun. So I, I love Battlefront 2 for the PS2. That's my favorite game. Although I will say that Jedi Power Battles for the Dreamcast was also very, very fun. I yield page, which, hey, that's you, yield. That's me. It said Super Star Wars series on the SNES, Rogue Squadron, Fall of the Empire on N64, and Fallen Order. Nitro comments, Jedi Fallen Order really enjoyed the story, even though it wasn't a popular uh, character. Battlefront 2 on the PS4. Story was meh in my opinion, but I enjoyed the multiplayer to an extent. The space flight combat isn't really my thing. And then lastly, Jeff Con- Hanna. Jeff Hanna commented with a picture of a, a an arcade cabinet by Atari. So a Star Wars Atari arcade cabinet, which has kind of the, uh, the flight stick on it, which... Uh, Jeff, is this... Do you own this? Is this, is this in your, your personal abode? Well, you know, that could be because, uh, well, it, it looks like it's got a uh, coin door on it. So maybe it is, maybe it's, uh, I know that. Well, there's, a, yeah, one, there's also keys in the, in the key slots. So, yeah. So I know that arcade one up, uh, last year or two years ago did a cabinet just like that. And it had. Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. All three of those arcade cabinets in one. So Has some cool artwork on the side with a, a, a large, you know, visage of Darth Vader's helmet. And, you know, in between it's got the the TIE Fighters and the X-Wings going at it in, in aerial combat. So that definitely a slick looking machine. But yeah, Jeff, yes. Jeff, let us know. Is this... Uh, is this your own personal arcade cabinet? Because that definitely looks pretty cool. I don't know. Some of those arcade one-up cabinets, I would like them, but they started to get fucking expensive. Like I, RGT85 the other day, he was you know talking about he's got an X-Men one, he's got a, a Simpsons one, and apparently one of them cost him seven hundred dollars. Is that if you if you don't get it right away? Yes. If you don't get it like when it initially releases and it's like three fifty to five five hundred, maybe six hundred, depending on what it is. If you don't get it right away, yes, because then, like, after they do their initial run, and it and it's gone from Walmart, and you have to buy it from a second-hand person on eBay or something else, yeah, you could spend $700,000. Freaking ridiculous. I mean, I, I, for the PS3, I bought the X-Men arcade game and Simpsons arcade game. I can play that on, on my PS3. And I, I mean, I like the arcade experience, but... I guess if I ever want to play The Simpsons and X-Men, I can go to one of the local barcades, Rec Bar, and just play it there. I 
I don't see the need to spend seven hundred dollars on it, but I don't know. I guess other people have more money to spend than I do. Yield. Well, and it's the nostalgia factor. Very true. Very true. And as we've seen, Troy is uh, slowly building up his own arcade room with all the the one up arcade cabinets he's purchased. Yes. Uh, late breaking comment here from David. Says, I agree with Alexander's the OG Battlefront 2 is the best with Fallen Order and Force Unleashed. So yeah, uh, a very popular topic topic there. Thank you, Homer, for the question. So, Yield, I think we've, we've talked about Marvel, we've talked about Star Wars, we've talked about so many important things on today's show. Hello, everyone. Sit again with Sophie's Trophies. Um, today we're going to do Castlevania Symphony of the Night. This is the version that is included with... Castlevania Requiem. Um, I'm not doing Rondo of Blood, which is the other game. This is for Brandon because he asked for this. Um, he did originally ask for Axiom Verge. I tried recording three times last week and between not knowing anything about the game really and everything going wrong, um, it obviously didn't work. So hopefully guys this week is going to be a little bit better. So the first trophy, Close Associates, a common trophy. Uh, defeat Slogra and Gabon. I think that's how you pronounce it. If not, ah, uh, well. Um, first boss is relatively easy to beat, to be honest. Won't take you too long. Okay, you are tearing me apart, Lisa. Um, saw through the deception of the succubus. Which basically means, kill the bitch. What could it be? Uh, obtain the holy symbol relic that... Allowed Alucard to travel freely underwater. That is a big trophy description. Um, that's basically uh, the thing that you need to breathe underwater. Let the bodies hit the floor. This is Defeat Grand Falloon. Now, Grand Falloon, guys, is a massive circle of dead bodies. Um, and you just keep hitting him and hitting him until the bodies fall off. And when they land on the floor, they get up, so you've got to kill them as well. Dracula's Curse. Defeat the zombie versions of Trevor, Cipher, and Grant. So I run around the castle. I'm pretty sure if you're going for 100%, you'll find those quite easily. Continue Simon's quest. Uh, defeat all the classic Castlevania bosses and obtain Dracula's relics. So that'll be Medusa, the mummy, uh, the bat, um, and I'm not sure who else. Death, I think, is one of them. The wolves have all gone. Defeat Richter without using the holy glasses from Maria. So this is the uh, last boss. Um, it's not Dracula at the moment. So you fight Richter. So you beat him up without using the glasses. Um, I'll explain more of those in a second. Flip it and reverse it. Defeat Richter using the holy glasses and unlock the inverted castle. Um, the inverted castle was a mega secret, guys. It has to be one of the best reveals in a game ever. Um... And a lot of people didn't know. As you play through the game, you get some glasses from Maria. Um, so you go and fight the last boss again. And if you wear the glasses, you will see who is controlling him. I think it's a guy called Shade. I think that's his name. And he's using an orb above Richter. So if you just attack the orb, um, you kill that and you completely invert the castle and have basically the whole game to play again. Lisa, forgive me. Defeat Dracula in the inverted castle centre. So work your way to the middle um, and defeat Dracula. Now, when you're doing the normal castle, you work your way to the top. 
So you kind of, when it's flipped, the top is now the bottom, obviously, so you've got to work your way to the centre. Shafted. That's his name, Shaft. Did I say that before? I can't remember. Um, play as Richter and defeat Shaft in the inverted castle. Uh, Richter, you can get to Shaft quite quickly. Um, Richter has a lot of other moves. He can flip through the air and various things like that. He doesn't have the flying abilities that Alucard has or anything like that. But there is a way to get there quickly um, if you follow a guide. And I'm saying follow a guide, guys, because you'll get lost. Um, there are a couple of tunnels that can be quite difficult to get through. Uh, to forgive divine visit the confessional in the royal chapel so you go to the chapel you go to the confessional and you sit down in it um so um i don't know what alucard's confessing maybe eating people maybe i don't know school of hard knocks surprise the master librarian now underneath the master librarian guys um there is a pit why he's got a pit under his chair i don't know maybe it's a toilet who knows with this guy but the whole idea is you go under there and you basically shoot up the shaft <clears throat> in a way um, and hit him up the arse and that scares him so basically to get this trophy shove your stick up a wizard's arse goodbye yellow brick road defeat all three of the denizens of oz uh, I think these are in the library, um, and they're based on Wizard of Oz characters. Um, I know the Scarecrow, Tin Man and Lion, I do believe. They're not called that, I don't think, but that's what they're based on. Napsville-ania. Lethargy of Dischair. Relax in a chair long enough to catch some Zs. So, there you go, guys. Pretty simple. Sit down for a while till Alucard falls asleep. Bat friends forever. Make friends with a bat familiar or the bat familiar. Um, what it says on the tin, get the bat familiar. Aria of Sorrow. Hear the song of the fairy familiar. Uh, for this one, you will have to get the familiar. Bloody hell, I can't talk. Get the fairy familiar and sit in a very specific chair. Um, I think it's in the courtyard and it's it's outside. Um, and you sit in the chair long enough for the fairy to sit on your shoulder and start singing. Um, a bird's life. View the circle of life underneath the view of a telescope. Okay, so from the starting position of the castle, if you go all the way to the right, to the other outer edge wall, um, you'll be in a big long tunnel. So if you go down and reach the very bottom of the tunnel, there is a bird. And each time you do certain things in the game, the bird will have advanced a bit. It will have an egg there, then it will have chicks there, and then eventually the chicks will fly away. Um, and so you have to see all of this. You do have to keep coming back every now and then to see this. Chock full. Success successfully eat a peanut. There you go. Running on smooth control. Obtain the... Crusadrim weapon. Told you I can't pronounce these things. Um, this is the pretty much the hardest weapon to find in the game, and I think again it's dropped in the library. Um, only one enemy drops it. Um, you have to keep farming that enemy to kill it or get it to drop it. And whip first, axe questions later. Become an axe knight. Very simple. 
Um, this is a, a sort of power-up you can have. Um, you'll get it as you play the game. You do need to equip it then. Make it rain. Literally make money using the jewel sword. When you've got the jewel sword, um, hit things and it will make money. Um, it's been a while since I played the game, guys, so I can't really remember where absolutely everything is. Uh, Tracula. Collect and equip the full Alucard set. There you go, and he's and you have to summon each and every one of them. Technicolor Dreams. Equip Joseph's cloak and set custom colours for Alucard. So you set your coat or pick it, and then you can go into the menus and set the colours you wish him to be. Wish I was a baller. Equip the secret boots to make Alucard a little bit taller. So once you find those boots, you can put them on and Alucard will be a good inch taller. Cowsylvania, portrait of Muin. Summon a cow using the shield rod or the Mablung sword. Some of these names, guys, are so fucking stupid. Um, anyway, yeah, summon a cow. Scientific progress goes boink. Purchase the duplicator. Simple thing to do. Have enough money and buy that thing. Um, spelling B. Cast each of Alucard's spells at least once. Now, you don't have to know these in-game. All you have to know is the button inputs, guys. So if you just look up the button inputs at the beginning of the game, put them in and you will have the spells. Um, Vampire's Greatest Hits. Obtain all of the transform transformation relics and associated upgrades. You'll get this going for 100%, guys, so do not worry about it. Map Legend. Obtain a... 200.6% map completion. That means you have to find every single room in both the inverted castle and the normal castle. Some of them are pretty damn sneaky, but it's well worth doing because the game is that good. Complete the Master Librarian's enemy list. This excludes missable enemies. So every enemy will be marked down each time you kill the first one. Just make sure every time you see an enemy to kill it. And finish what Kid Dracula started. Defeat Galamoth, ruler of space. So he's one of the bosses. Go in there, kick his ass. job done. Um, and that is it for Castlevania Symphony of the Night. So I hope that was okay, guys. Uh, next week, I have got a very, 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 very bad game that I'm going to talk about. It's probably worse than the other one that I talked about last time. But yeah, so you can all look forward to being told how crap something is. So that's it for this week. I will talk to you soon. Take it easy, guys, and keep getting those trophies. Bye. Before our heads explode from how awesome everything has been, how awesome today is, you think we should, we should throw some shout-outs out there and get out of here? Yeah, that sounds good. Well, sir, how about you start us off? All right, so I'll shout-out you, Alex, for recording tonight. Shout out to uh, all of the pimps and the madams out there in Hordom interacting with us in Facebook, uh, sending in questions, hanging out with us, watching our Twitch streams of Rocket League or anything else that we happen to throw up on Twitch. We, that's very much appreciative. Uh, interacting, I probably covered that, but interacting with us on Facebook, that's awesome. Um, shout out to my mom, made an awesome Thanksgiving meal. Um, I hope all of you out there made out on Black Friday deals for video games. There were some really good deals out there that I saw. 
Um, oh, shout out to my Bengals for whooping them Steelers. I'm a happy Bengal fan right now, as you can tell. And I think that'll do it for me this week. I'm probably forgetting something, but I'll catch you next week, maybe. And I want to thank, first and foremost, the listeners, the fans, you, the community, the fuel to the fire of the trophy whores. We could not have gotten to my my area code 502, 502 episodes without your support. So however you choose to support us, whether you just download the show, whether you you know have left a review, whether you have told your friends about the show, whether you support us on Twitch, thank you very much for everything you do for us because you guys, without you guys, the community... Trophy Horse doesn't exist. It's just a bunch. It's just three boring people talking about video games. So you guys are the lifeblood. You guys are what bring the party to Trophy Horse. So as always, thank you for everything <coughs> you do. Give a shout out to Yield for recording with me tonight, talking the video games, as Hank Hill would say. Give a shout out to Homer with the bomb ass questions over on our Facebook page. Probably the best place to reach us if you have a question. You got a new story you want us to talk about? That's Facebook, our, our, the Trophy Horse Facebook page is, is probably the best place to reach us because, I mean, I talked about Twitter earlier, but, you know, not not really going to catch our attention that much because I, I don't think we're specifically on Twitter all that much. Definitely not daily, but email is good, but Facebook is probably the best way to reach us. Tricky, shout out to Tricky for, uh, well, I mean, he wasn't here tonight, but like I said, he's taking care of business, so hopefully we'll have Tricky back and... Uh, the next time he's on, he can tell us about the, the latest rat spam rampage that he's on. For all those people out there chanting, rat spam, rat spam, rat spam. I see you out there, Daryl. And uh, last but not least, I want to give a shout out to my loving and awesome girlfriend, Ashley. I love you, honey. We put up the Christmas tree. We put up the ornaments the other day. So we are all ready to go. Stockings are hung. So we are ready to go for that ho-ho holiday yield. Do you get your tree up? Yes, I did. My tree is up. The outdoor decorations are up. I'm I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm not saying this matters. When you mean the outdoor decorations, you mean like the one blow-up thing you put outside? No, I've got two. Oh, I'm not judging. I'm just saying like you, you talked about it before and you, you kind of underplay your outside decorations a little bit. Well, I mean, I got I got two inflatables. I put icicle lights up around the porch and I've got a few uh, Christmas silhouettes in the window. So, okay. So opinion here, get get this this uh, this very important burning question. So I mean, people, you know, do whatever you want, but I prefer. I mean, you mentioned icicle lights. When it comes to the tree inside the house, I prefer the yeah. multicolored lights. When it comes to the outside, I prefer just like I prefer seeing just the um, the white colored lights. How do you feel about it? Yield? Do you have a, a preference at all, or you just like well, whatever? So I, I appreciate white colored lights. Uh, I am more of a, a multicolor person. Uh, so we do our tree is it's it's uh, this year it's white lights. Next year it'll be uh, chasing lights because that's what I like. Um, outside it really depends on the decor or how you go with it. I uh, I've seen houses with white lights that I'm like, ooh, that's really nice. And I've seen them with multicolor lights that I like. Uh, I tend to go more multicolor personally. My icicle lights, I've got one set out front that's white with blue tips, which I think is kind of cool. 
and then I've got another set of all blue icicle lights, which again, I find that kind of cool. It puts a nice, neat little uh, ambiance on the porch. So, all right. Uh, the blue of that looks really nice outside, especially when it does. with the white. Uh, but I mean, not that it matters, but you are Homer. Who's got the taller tree? A uh, Homer. Oh, does, I mean, I know Homer, the, the, the family, uh, Homer's family really enjoys putting out the, uh, the Christmas decorations and gets into the spirit very, very quickly in the season or before even Thanksgiving. How tall is his tree? Uh, I think he said he just got a new one and I want to say seven and a half. Okay. And do you guys get real or fake trees? Fake trees. I'm not, I'm, pers- my, my personal, I mean, you do you, and that's whoever's out there listening. Me, I don't like doing a real tree for the simple fact of I cut down a perfectly good tree for, to be in my house for a month or two. If I would prefer that tree to be outside growing, and I'll throw lights on it outside, and I can enjoy the tree all year long instead of just for a couple of months, and then we just burn it. Yeah, the, uh. With a real tree, is too much maintenance, and, you know, every year, you, you got a fake tree. Oh, time to bust out the fake tree. It's just, it's much easier. But if somebody, you know, goes out and chops down their own tree, I get, I understand the appeal of that. But just going to a lot somewhere and buying a tree and then strapping it to your car and driving it home, I don't understand the appeal of that. Like, if you're chopping it down yourself, I get it. But just going to a lot somewhere... And buying the tree, and then, I mean, again, everyone, you do you. I just think that the appeal of, you know, get, of, of having a real tree would be, and, you know, going out and picking the tree and then chopping it down yourself, whereas just going to a parking lot or, like, a grocery store and buying a tree from there, I don't know, it just, it doesn't seem as, you know, as exciting. So, I mean, at that point, it's just like, why, why would you have a real tree opposed to a fake tree? But... Everyone, you know, some people maybe like the smell of having a real tree. Um, who knows? A little bit too much work for me, but uh, hopefully, uh, however you like to celebrate or whichever tree you like to celebrate with, everyone has got their uh, decorations up so they can enjoy the lights for a long time because, you know, Christmas is going to be here before we know it, Yield. and uh, Oh, yeah, I, it's going to be here and gone before we know it. I like to stare at those Christmas lights, especially if I'm going to take the time to put on, to string on lights and to put on ornaments. I definitely like to look at the tree for, you know, more than a few weeks, so. Oh, absolutely. My my wife gets mad at me because I'll sit in the living room with all the lights turned off and watching TV. And she's like, there's no lights on in the, li- in the living room. I said, no, right there, the tree. That's the perfect way. This time of the year, that's the perfect way to watch things is with the, just no lights in the Christmas tree. Exactly. Thank you. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Well, with how much we've rambled on here, you, you would probably think that Christmas is next week or tomorrow. But no, we got a few more weeks before that. But yeah. Uh, everyone marinate on Homer's questions and get back to us via, you know, email or the Facebook thread and let us know just what is your favorite uh, video game related presents you've gotten for the holidays, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, whichever. Uh, but yeah, uh, as always, thank you all for listening to the show. This has been episode 502, the Louisville area code episode. Hopefully, no none of you will ever forget the fact that uh, Louisville is uh, is the five hundred two. Uh, but yeah, uh, season salutations from the five hundred two, and until next week, happy trophy hunt. See you next week. Save your last
The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines. <laughs> 